I'm Caitlin. Hi, I'm Rebecca. We're not from Memphis, but we love it. Welcome to Memphis Type History, the podcast. Good morning, Caitlin. Good evening, Rebecca. <laughs> There's always a pause. Well, because I, I have to think <laughs> no. in my head, what does that mean? What do I say? I know. I say that just because I think it's cool that we're different time zones. <laughs> well, sometimes, well, at least sometimes you'll be in the morning because we've done the, we've yeah. recorded with you in the morning and me at night. And so now I'm worried. I know. I like, don't want to get it wrong. So today I'm going to tell you about Lustron Homes. Oh, please do. Have you ever heard of such a thing? No, I just learned how to pronounce it today. Oh, so did I. <laughs> Okay, so I heard about Lustron Homes while I was getting an MBA at the University of Memphis. I think in 2016, when I was taking a marketing class for my MBA at the University of Memphis, and we looked at it more from a business perspective, but I went and saw one because we could get extra credit if we went and found one of the Lustron Homes that are in Memphis, and it's just a really interesting thing, and I'd never heard of it before, and so I thought I would tell you about these, and I have a feeling you're probably going to want to go look at one, too, and so will our listeners. Yeah, I want to go see one right now. I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, so, okay, so Lustron homes are prefabricated enamel-coated steel houses, so they're made completely out of steel. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they look so cool. What era and, is this? Uh, in the 40s. Okay. We're going back to the 40s. Okay. So... Most of the history I'm going to talk about actually takes place in Ohio, but Memphis has three of these types of homes, and they're very rare across the U.S., and so all of this still has to do with Memphis, even though the actual story of how these Lustron homes came to be is in Ohio. Yeah, so Lustron homes are completely made out of metal, which is super cool. They were invented by Carl Strandland in the post-World War II era in the U.S. So what happened is all these soldiers were coming back from World War II, and there weren't enough houses for them, especially, I think, like affordable houses. And so he started making them after his attempt to make gas stations went south. Uh, he was trying to make gas stations out of steel, but there was more demand for steel after the war than there was supply. So this like government guy told him, well, we would allocate you steel to make stuff and manufacture stuff if you were making houses for the soldiers that were coming back from war. So that's what he did. Oh. Yeah. So that means there were three soldiers from uh, the war that came to Memphis? I don't think so. Um, okay. I think other people kind of ended up buying them. They were available for the masses to buy. So it may have been soldiers, but it may have just been people bought the, bought the houses that were in Memphis. Okay. So in 1946, he had a prototype that he showed in uh, at a place in Ohio. And um, he said it was fireproof, hmm. impervious to decay, rust, or damage from vermin, rats, or termites. Wow. Yeah, because it's steel. Sunlight, salt water, or chemical fumes could not stain or fade the finish. Does steel insulate well? Um, I wonder. I think it's fine. I learned that one of the houses in Memphis, I read an article on it, and I learned that the only comment he had about, like, heat or cool was that the way the heating system was built in his house, which is was original at the time of this article, 
uh, it makes all the heat go up to the ceiling. So he said the floors and stuff get really cold. But I don't think it's because of the steel. I think it's because of the design of the heating system wasn't really thought out. Oh. Uh, And the last claim is the roof never had to be replaced, the exterior painted, nor the interior painted or papered. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. So basically, it's like a set it and forget it house. (laughs) Yeah. Did they all look the same? No, they had different models. So, yeah, so it's like a model home. Like, if you pick the model, yeah, it looks the same as everybody else's. But they had uh, several different layouts you could choose in a couple different colors and stuff like that. Oh, you're saying there's three different models, not not just one, two, three houses made out of this in Memphis. No, there are one, two, three houses in Memphis. Uh, Oh, there are. Okay. But this was all over. Like, Lestrian homes are not, are throughout. Yeah, they're throughout the country. Different models. Got it. He opened his company to serve the whole country in January 1947. (laughs) So his prototype went well. He ultimately had some issues with government bureaucracy because, remember, he was trying to get steel from the government. They were allocating it at this time. So ultimately, he received $37 million in loans from the government, Hmm. plus a leased war surplus plant in Columbus, Ohio. And that's where he was making Lustron Homes. Interesting note, this is the first venture capital loan made by the federal government ever. Look at that. He started making these homes, and they were advertised as low-maintenance, extremely durable, because of the baked-on porcelain enamel finish. And the design was such to attract modern families who wouldn't have the time or interest in repairing and painting conventional wood and plaster houses. So this is because, you know, like women had kind of started, uh, they had gone to work, you know, while the soldiers were away. And then I think this was kind of starting to be the time where, you know, people started getting appliances and stuff like that in their homes, I think. And so, you know, people were just starting to look more into like time-saving stuff. And so this would appeal Mm -hmm. to them because it would defy weather, wear, and time, as the ads say. (laughs) So I like this quote I found uh, from an advertisement where it was basically saying that these homes maximized pleasure and minimized work. And so the quote is, new and richer experience for the entire family, where mother has far more hours, the youngsters have fewer worries, And there would be far more leisure for dad. Why? Because you don't have to paint the house. You don't have to deal with anything. And even the inside is done. Like, it's steel inside. So you're not even, like, painting the rooms or anything like that. And the furniture, well, not all the furniture, but, like, the countertops, like, all that stuff came with it. Oh. So it's all steel. So, like, you don't even have to... I mean, like, outside the house, you just hose it off and it's clean. I don't know. That doesn't sound very pleasurable. I don't know. After having to get our house painted, I wouldn't hate the idea of not having to do that. It costs a well, lot of Well, from money. the outside, right? But you're talking about the inside, too. Yeah, I think I'd like to customize the inside more. But I think back then, maybe people didn't really care as much as we do now about that kind of stuff. Yeah, and... It's hard. It's probably just hard to envision. It must have looked pretty amazing for them to put an ad like that, right? They look nice. Um, they're very modern looking. Okay. Um, I'll put some pictures. I'll put some pictures and some YouTube video links on the show notes. Well, I'll put the YouTube videos on the show notes so um, people can see. 
Uh, and that will be okay, awesome. memphistypehistory.com slash lustron, L-U-S-T-R-O-N. I'm interested. Lustron homes are a bit of an engineering marvel. The steel framing system consisted of vertical steel studs and roof ceiling trusses, and all of the interior and exterior panels attached to those. So it was basically the same as like prefabricated housing concepts that people already knew about and were using mm-hmm. uh, with like you could order a home from Montgomery Ward or Sears or something like that from the early 1900s and they would like deliver it or whatever. Mm-hmm. But th- this one was different because it didn't use the conventional balloon framing techniques and materials like these other kits did. Um, I don't really understand exactly what that means except that Lustron homes were modular in design, so they could be put up really fast. But I thought, like, architecture people would be interested in all those words I don't really understand. Yeah. Like trusses. (laughs) (laughs) So for the manufacturing people, here's here's for you. The factory was a marvel of manufacturing. Mm -hmm. It had about eight miles of automated conveyor belt lines. That's a lot of miles. Yeah. And... Very like Henry Ford of them. Did you say Henry Ford? Yeah, the guy invented... The Model T? The co- Yeah, uh-huh. he invented the conveyor belt, like assembly line construction or what manufacturing. Yeah, okay. So this is like a giant eight-mile assembly line. Okay. It had 11 enameling furnaces, and each one of those was 180 feet long. Hmm. The plant equipment had presses for tubs and sinks... And these presses could stamp a tub in one draw and could produce a thousand tubs a day when working at capacity. Huh. Yeah. So they included everything, like tubs and all of that in the house. Yeah. Um, specially designed trailer trucks were used as the final assembling point. And so the manufactured parts came off the assembly line, went into the truck, and there were 3,300 individual parts that were loaded into the truck. Uh, and they were like specially sized to fit the whole house in the truck. So all the 3,300 parts. Really? And then the truck would deliver the house to the site that they were going to build on. They sound as, they sound as good as Ikea. Yeah. Even better because they bring it to you. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) And get this, they assemble it for you in three days. Oh, not bad. A house in three days. Yeah, and some IKEA furniture can take that long, right? Yeah, no, yeah, it's easy. Yeah, but still, three days getting a house—that's pretty pleasurable. Yeah, so Lustron had these builder dealers, and so they sold and put the houses up. So they would have the concrete foundation ready. Although some Lustron homes did have basements where it is, but they were supposed to just be on concrete foundations. And then the assembly team worked for these builder dealers who were local. And they would get the delivery of the truck and follow a manual from Lustron on how to put together the 33, I'm sorry, not 3,300, 30,000 pieces. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mistyped. Uh, there were 30,000 total pieces to like assemble. Wow. And they could do it in 360 man hours. So that's about three days. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, you'd buy your house for about... Anywhere between $8,500 and $9,500. <laughs> and it would be done in three days. Wow. Well, that pricing, so that's what you could buy if you were first in. The, and that's about 25% less than the average home price at the time. So that's why it was 
a good option for like returning soldier stuff. But by 1949, they were $10,500. Okay. But still sounds like a good Yeah, it does. So there were three models of these Lestron homes called the Westchester, the Newport, and the Meadowbrook. And each of the model could either be a two-bedroom or a three-bedroom home. So it's just different ways that it was designed. You would pick your model, and then it could be two-bedroom or three-bedroom. Uh, this was something that I found interesting. The most popular one was the two-bedroom, 1,021-square-foot Westchester Deluxe model. <laughs> Deluxe. Which is interesting because now, you know, people want minimum a three-bedroom home. Right. It's just interesting how times have changed, and I guess kids don't share rooms as much. Yeah, and then people want that home office generally. That's true. So I looked up what colors you could get these painted um, because in order to do an operation like this, obviously things have to be kind of like set. Like you can't let you can't have really like customization Mm -hmm. or the whole method doesn't really work. And so the Ohio Historic Preservation Office has listed four official exterior colors of Lustron homes, and they're called Surf Blue, Dove Gray, Maize Yellow, and Desert Tan. Desert Tan. I don't think the soldiers want that one. I, I Probably not. I think they'd like Surf Blue. Yeah, that sounds good. The window trim was usually ivory, but some of the early models had yellow trim on the Surf Blue colors. So inside, the space was very modern and built for space saving and to be easy to clean. Those were like the main goals. Oh, that does help. Yeah. All the lustrons had metal paneled interior walls and they were usually gray. And to maximize space, all the interior rooms and closets were pocket doors. So you didn't have, you didn't take up room by open having open doors, you know, yeah. or like having to like open a door. So all pocket doors. Uh, the cabinets were metal. They had a, a storage area and metal ceiling tiles. And then an option people could add was Thor brand combination clothes and dishwasher, which would be incorporated into the kitchen sink. The dishwasher? Yeah, the, it was an upgrade people could get, but it was dishwasher and clothes washer. What? Yeah. Did I? Am I hearing you right? You, you're saying yeah, you yeah. could wash your dishes and your clothes in one yeah. appliance? Yeah, real space saving. Weird. I feel like I missed a part of the future somewhere. I thought that was cool. I, there's a couple YouTube videos showing these houses, and most people now have re- don't have that in their unit anymore, If even if they've kept it pretty original. Yeah. So... Some of the, but I wonder maybe some of the YouTube videos might show. I didn't watch them all, so there might be one that shows it um, and how it worked. Yeah, because it just seems like you could accidentally put the wrong soap in the wrong department or compartment uh, or something, right? That's true. I didn't even think about that. It could like put soap everywhere. Okay, so um, the Lustron factory was supposed to make fifteen thousand homes in nineteen forty seven. And then double it to 30,000 in 1948. But between 1948 and 1950, it only made 2,498 of them. How many? 2,498. So is that the total that that was built? That's, yep. That's why they're rare architectural gems. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you have an updated stat of how many still exist? I do. Oh, what is it? There are 2,000 homes that still exist across 36 states. That's great. 
Yeah, most of them have been modified now. Uh, so people have remodeled their kitchens, put in vinyl windows. Uh, instead of the steel roofs, they're doing composite shingle roofs like normal roofs. Mm. Changed out the heating systems. Uh, a lot of them now have sheetrock on the inside walls instead of steel panels. Mm. Uh, and they've painted the outside and maybe put siding on instead of metal. So they kind of maybe took away some of the benefits yeah, of the home. Yeah, it's kind of big. <laughs> Yeah. That's basically, yeah. <laughs> but some still are in their original state, and there's a small group of Lustron homeowners that do really advocate for people keeping their homes original. And where are those in Memphis, the three that are in Memphis? I found an article from 2011 by Michael Finger uh, in Memphis Magazine. And, of course, we're big fans of everything Michael Finger writes. Mm-hmm. Um and he did an interview with one of the Lustron homeowners in Memphis. Um, so this was in 2011, so things might have changed. But he, like, basically had everything still the same. Uh, but to make modern life doable in the Lustron home, he, in order to hang pictures, he had to screw hooks into some really strong magnets. Oh, that's smart. <laughs> yeah. And then... Um, you know, an all-metal home isn't so great for your cell phone, so he has to stand by a window. <laughs> yeah. But then other than that, it was just that the heating system doesn't really – isn't super practical. That's where I learned that from. But mm-hmm. he was just kind of like, look, on the flip side, I don't have any termites, and all I have to do is hose down the house in the spring and it's clean yeah. when everyone else is having to, like, paint theirs and stuff like that. Did it say how much he bought the house for? Um, it's a guy that lives there. It didn't say, um, I don't know how, yeah, I don't know how much they would be now. Um, I do know there was a time, the biggest group of Lustron homes was once located in Quantico, Virginia on the military base there. And there were 60 at the, at the Marine Corps base and they were all Westchester deluxe models (laughs) and they were in all four colors. However, uh, they did remodel them in the 80s, and some got painted pink and some got painted lime green. Uh, <laughs> interesting choices. Are those the houses they used in Edward Scissorhands? Uh, maybe. I don't know. I haven't colorful. seen that movie. <laughs> Caitlin. Of course. I know. Um, but here's here's a set. This is going to make you really sad. Oh, Get ready. no. In January 2006, they announced that they were going to demolish these homes. The 60 because, homes? Yeah, because... Uh, modern families need they were too small for people now no people didn't really like them because they were small is this still for the marine base yeah and so they mm. were giving them away oh yeah because you could just pack them up and take them elsewhere right yeah so they were giving away 58 of them for free although you did have to apply and pay an eight thousand dollar deposit but i guess the house was you could take it for free i don't maybe you got the deposit back i don't know but only one person got one what? Well, they must have not advertised it well. I guess. Only one person got one, and it's in storage in Delaware. They didn't even live in it. Whoa. Those could have gone to some real families. Yeah. And in 2007, all but the last two were demolished. Oh. And those last two are on the National Register of Historic Places, but they're currently being used as maintenance buildings. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. That made me really sad to think about. It makes it even more interesting that you could go see them in Memphis. There are three. The fourth, there used to be four, but it's gone now. So can you tell us where they are if we want to go drive by? 
I can. Um, the ones that were put in Memphis would have been purchased at the Mid-South Fair. There was a booth and they could choose their model and their color. So that's likely how they got them there in Memphis. Mm-hmm. The three that are left are on Charleswood in High Point Terrace, on Eastwood in Midtown, and on Bluebird in Whitehaven. What's the Midtown one? The one in Midtown is on Eastwood. Okay. I've gone to look at the one on Charleswood in High Point Terrace. You've seen that one? Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. So, yeah, go go look for it. I think the owners of them are pretty used to people coming by and taking a look, it seems like. Okay. I mean, you know, I'd say go take a look. I mean, use your best judgment. Don't get on people's property, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, that's where they are. Huh. I, I found the whole story is really fascinating. There will be links and YouTube videos on the show notes, memphistypehistory.com slash lustron, L-U-S-T-R-O-N. But I just thought it was so interesting that these little pieces of history – exist in Memphis and that there are three of them here out of the very few that remain. Yeah. And these hopefully are three that haven't been reconstructed essentially, right? The, the one in High Point Terrace is the one that's featured in Memphis magazine. And that's the one that at that time was still really pretty original. Pretty obvious that it was a steel home. It's not like, I mean, it looks different, but I feel like if you don't know that you're looking for something different, you just be like, that's a weird house and okay. move on. That's great. Yeah. And there'll be some pictures and stuff, so you can reference a picture when you go look for it. But they're just they're just so charming. I would live in one. Yeah. I think I would too. I guess it would be difficult with the cell phone service though. Like you couldn't you may not be able to work from home as easily as you do now. That's true. I guess like Practically, I couldn't live in one, but emotionally, I could live in one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I guess you could also just build a little studio outside of the house where you That's work. That's true. I mean, if you had gotten one of those free houses with the eight, what was it, $8,000 deposit? Yeah. Then, yes, you yeah. could afford a little studio on the back. Yeah, of course. Or I could join a co-working space and not even work oh, at yeah. home. I mean, Support the co-work space. Yeah. Yeah. Totally doable. But yeah, they're real cute. I'm excited for you to see little videos and stuff. I am excited to see that. And is there a picture of that appliance? The washer? Uh, I'm going to try. I'll try to find one. Okay. I'm sure there's one somewhere. Because the Thor brand that made this stuff was pretty famous. What other stuff did they make? Or did they put in there? Um, You said folding folding doors or pocket doors? Yeah, pocket doors. What is that? And then... It's like the kind of doors that go into the wall. Oh, then they slide in and out? Yeah. Okay, that's what I assumed, but I wasn't sure. Okay, I like those doors. I think they also had some fold-up beds and stuff like that, maybe like... The Murphy bed? I think so. Something... I remember reading something about like some type... some Some of the models had furniture that you could kind of like put away and it would save space, but... I'll have to look. I didn't really understand what I was reading, and um, I didn't know exactly which videos to go and find it on. So I'll be doing a little bit of gathering some good information for the show notes on this one and make sure that – yeah, I kind of wanted to hear what you were curious about. That's all interesting. Instead of like – yeah, I didn't want to like load it up with like – a bunch of like random pieces of Lester and Holmes. <laughs> sorry, that's totally what I would have done. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, there's a lot of imp- there's a lot of stuff out there, so it's yeah. like, ooh, there's a lot of videos to watch. So, oh, 
So Lost Run Homes in Memphis. Mm-hmm. So whenever you go find it, snap a picture and put it on Patreon. For real. Anybody who comes across a Lost Run Home, please send us uh, your image. Yeah. And uh, we'll we'll put some some any of our own behind the scenes stuff over on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Memphis Type History and you can get support the show, get behind the scenes stuff. Um, go on Lustron Adventures with us. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's it for Lustron Homes in Memphis. Thanks for listening to my story, Rebecca. Thanks for sharing. All right, Memphis, we're signing off. You like your type. You've been listening to Memphis Type History, the podcast. It would mean so much to us if you head over to iTunes and give us a rating and review. Be sure to subscribe and never miss an episode. Want to be part of Memphis Type History and get behind the scenes content, merch, and more? Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Memphis Type History. That's Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Memphis Type History. Find more Memphis Type History on our blog at memphistypehistory.com, on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest as Memphis Type History, and on Twitter at Memphis Type. For all you listeners out there, I just want to send out a quick shout out to our supporters on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. You've probably heard us mention it at the end of every episode because um, we cannot survive uh, after a certain amount of time uh, unless you help support us. Uh, because when the run- money runs out, that means we're going to have to stop. And the truth is, is we don't we don't want to um, necessarily stop because there's so much information in Memphis to cover. So I do want to say a thank you to Angie Horton, Emily Van Gilder. Oh, look at that. I didn't know she'd support her. Uh, Jamie Davis, Caitlin Horton, my Memphis type history partner. She's not talking back because she's not recording, (laughs) but you hear me, Caitlin and myself. I am also a patron. (laughs) Thank you. Me, um, Melissa Weaver. Thank you. James A. Pendergrass, Diane Pendergrass, Mark Fleischer, who's awesome in his history knowledge and has been a big help. Thank you guys so much for all you wondering why I'm saying thank you to these people. It's because they have been uh, donating monthly on patreon.com to support the arts. And you can be one of those supporters for just $1 a month. That's all it takes. It's it's as little as that $1 a month. Uh, And if we get enough of you to do that, we can cover all our expenses. If you feel really generous, you can donate more than that. You can donate up to a thousand a month if you really want to. Five dollars, ten dollars. I'm starting to sound like um, that NPR <laughs> segment when they're trying to raise money. <laughs> you know what? I've kind of always wanted to do that. So this is me getting that out right now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And have a good night. Go to patreon.com, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash Memphis type history. Check out the goodies that you can get for being a supporter. And like I said, with just a dollar, you get something, which would be Cutting Room 4 episodes. And up to the next level, you get artwork by yours truly. And while it's made for your desktop, realize I'm not going to be mad if you use it to print or to put up on your wall. Like you can use it for more than just your desktop. I will be happy for you to do that. Because that means you're a supporter of the show. Move up $10 or more per month. You 
can make your mailbox happy. That was quoted from Kaylin Horde. You can get a postcard. Yes, with lots of love. And I like to write. So who knows what I'll write at the moment when I write to you. Oh, and also know that you get all the previous re- rewards with that. Uh, $20. You can be in our show. We can talk about you. And everybody likes hearing about themselves. So donate 20 a month and we will happily talk about you. You can even send us stuff to, to boost your ego. We will do that. 25 or more, you get a tote bag with artwork. And then after that, it's a t-shirt, 35 or more, and a personalized book, which means we we have signed book copies, $55 or more. You get that plus all the previous stuff. And it just keeps going, 95 or more. Caitlin, I didn't realize how much stuff we have. <laughs> a mystery box. Why would you not want a mystery box? That just sounds amazing. And it keeps going. So moral of the story Support us. Go to patreon.com. Patreon.com slash Memphis Type History. Look at the stash of goodies we have to offer. Decide which one you want most to make your heart the most happy. And just know that your hearts happy make our hearts happy. Thank you.